Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. This is um, Ardbag Cory Vecran. Say that three times fast. Yeah. Ardbag. What? Ardbag. Ardbag. <laughs> no, the whole thing. Don't, don't wimp out. No. I, I, I oh wimped God. out, man. I answered what I could say three times fast. Okay. Cory Vrecken. Cory Vrecken. That's such an interesting. It's Cory Vrecken. It's a Isla Smoky Scotch Whiskey that is an interesting thing. What is this right here? It's a 114 proof, and it's a turbulent, peppery, dark fruits is how they describe it. 114 proof or 140 proof? 114. It's 57% okay. alcohol. Yeah, for a second I thought it was 70, and I was like, holy shit. Because uh, I thought it was 140. Um, no, the uh, limit for whiskey on proof is about 140, is the top end of it. So you'll oh, find okay. a bunch of stuff hit around 135, but nothing can actually be classified as whiskey and be higher than 140. Interesting. What, is there a reason for that? Just the rules of what's whiskey is whiskey. I mean, once you start getting above that, actually, you're starting to hit um, vodka territory. So, because the higher you distill it, the more you're stripping out congeners and uh, other okay. tasting profiles. Okay. So, and then it loses all its characteristics. So now you've got vodka. It's kind of a deal. Gotcha. So vodka is actually distilled to 190 proof and then watered down. So, oh, interesting. Here's our alcohol. Lesson of the day, right? So, so what's interesting yeah, is you take a homosexual and proof them past 140, they lose all characteristics as well. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, hey, and welcome to another episode of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We are doing our last book in our month of Indigenous Peoples books. And we will find out what other people have to say, but I think we actually went out on a good one. Um, we've had some that we haven't been fans of, but I've enjoyed this one. But uh, we'll see if uh, people agree with me or if they do not. But we will start... In the newly minted in Denver, she now has a couch. She soon may have a desk. We have Lena. Hi, Lena. Hi. Yes, I am. I have furniture and everything. It's great. You're adulting. Uh, Hooray. I know. Yay. Oh, my gosh. Hi. Uh, yeah, having to rebuy everything that I had when I left Denver the first time a year and a half ago. Should have just been uh, in storage. I know, well, I wasn't expecting to come back. I should have known. Denver uh, always anyway. calls you back. You should know this. The siren song oh of the God. homeland. No, I don't know. I... Is the homeland. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, well, technically, that would be Pittsburgh, not Denver. But it's... Well, technically, going by your pillow, it's Connecticut. Because the pillow behind your oh. head says home, but the O oh. is the state of Connecticut. This is the state of Connecticut. I know. Well, it's because there's a uh, plug, and future Brian, you can get rid of this if you want. Mm -hmm. um, there's a really nice uh, local shop in Connecticut that's like not far from where my parents live called the 203, which is the um, area code for the area that we in Connecticut that we were in. And it is y'all are so gangster richy rich part of the state so yeah. 203 <laughs> is where all the like muckety mucks live uh mm -hmm. and the rest of the state is 860 so mm. i mean screw them yeah uh but <laughs> damn 860 your 203 on. sweatshirt so yes, you're just yes. representing well, oh i i went i love the owners that actually run the place uh her name is tori which is funny she, I met her a few times and I just absolutely loved her and her husband, I think husband, maybe boyfriend. 
um, nah. that run everything. And they, uh, I just, I loved it. I have a hat that says 203 that's in the like very New England salmon color. And oh, everything. of course. <laughs> oh, of yeah, course it is. I know. But I've got all my Pittsburgh stuff, which is actually coming out with uh, Tori and her best friend Evan in like a month with my car because no one will buy it during a pandemic. Go figure. So, so that's nice. So they'll they'll come out with all my Pittsburgh stuff. And I'm in Colorado. I should probably get some more Colorado Weed. things. Yeah. <laughs> so so i have friends coming in this weekend for my birthday and uh the first thing they've said that they want to do is go to a dispensary which i think is funny because they live in california yeah so i was like um, all right if i would have known when i went up to visit them recently i would have taken some with me but not that, not that i've ever Andrew bought like, such a thing anyone who's listening like, from my employer um, even though they're not currently drug testing me because there's not enough of us working. And they don't know where you work, so there you go. And uh, no one knows where I work, but... Uh, no one yeah. knows where I work either. Yeah, you're a better kept secret than I am, I think. Well, and actually, what's really funny, uh, you know, because I was in California, actually, a year ago this week, because I got the reminder on Facebook that I was at... Uh, I was somewhere with you, Brian. Oh, yeah. At a certain place. Uh, and I was <laughs> like, hey... somewhere. You were at my work is what you're telling yes, me. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I, was hanging out, I was hanging out with you at work. I was at a place. I was at a place. A thing. <laughs> and, Let's uh, be unnecessarily vague, shall we? Yeah. But uh, no, it was, it, what's really funny is because, you know, it goes Clark partakes. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, had, we were there with our friend Kat, and she obviously partakes. But I didn't see or even try to go by one dispensary. And I think that's a missed opportunity because... I wouldn't have enjoyed it, but I may or may not have some friends up here who would have, and they yes. actually were like, hey, you should grab us some, and then I didn't even think about it, because I'm so used to going to California and being like, mm-hmm. oh, let's actually go to like an Albertsons and buy vodka, because it's mm-hmm. you know, a grown-up state, but... That is still one of my favorite stories of when Todd visited me. And he, we were like, oh, we'll just make some drinks at home. All the liquor stores are closed. I'm like, it's Utah. Or this is California. We can go to Ralph's and just pick up, you know, rum. <laughs> like, it'll be fine. And I'm like, no fair. Yeah, I don't even <laughs> think we told him. I think we just like, here, just trust us on this. And we walked in to Ralph's and like the liquor section of this particular Ralph's was like right up front. Like it was like, it was where the vegetables normally would be. It was just like rows and rows of booze. And you could just see him wandering around in awe, like a child in a candy store with so many options. He did not know what to choose. Like I want all the things. <laughs> did you, did you take him to BevMo? Um, I've been to BevMo. BevMo. Like there's a BevMo near me. There, the great one is uh, high times, which sounds like it should be dispensary, but it's actually a, a, oh, a okay. an alcohol store. But like there, they have some like, crazy obscure things to find like that was the place where i was at one of those like mixology bars and i asked the bartender where like they buy alcohol and i go this is where we go because like they they have some deep cuts of some shit so what's really funny is the first time i ever went to a bevmo years ago in california is i was sneaking so much vodka uh, so much alcohol or maybe i wasn't uh back (laughs) to where i live that uh like a month later i got emailed that i was now one of their preferred customers and, <laughs> like they actually offered me I, I, hindsight i should have done it and decided it shipped to california and shipped here a uh, 20-year pappy for retail Ooh. of 140 bucks and i was like well shit i can't ship it here again how many, hindsight, how many year, years ago was it oh god this was it was right when venmo came out however long ago that was because people were venmoing me money to bring them back stuff Oh, interesting. So it must have been like, I, I think it was 2014. It, it was a while ago. I was still married. Yeah, you so. could have uh, you could have sent that to 
anyone. Sent, well, you could have sent it to me and I could have brought it up for you or, or shipped it to you. Cause like if they have to ship within the state, which sometimes is a thing. Yeah. And I, I didn't even think about that, but in hindsight, yeah, whatever it happens. Not, no, no worries. No My blood therapist is teaching me that. So I stalled long enough that you could actually get back to your uh, computer to introduce yourself. Hey, Todd. Hey, what's up? <laughs> well, we'll there, that Todd. Out. Hi, podcast. Back to the podcast. We have having a very lovely faux hawk. I got to say. It looks good. Hair's pretty today. Hey, Adam, how are you? Oh, thank you. Uh, doing great. Yeah, it's up here in Utah, and no one knows where I work. They may have heard of the place I work, but <laughs> I, I still have... Uh, yeah, they may. Uh, I still have some Facebook friends who actually I consider pretty close friends who think I still work at Best Buy, and that was like four years ago. Nice. So uh, that's wow. how separate my personal and professional lives are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, in its new position, doing well. I'm now only nine, uh, 5% useless because I have logins Ooh. in my laptop. Nice. So yeah. getting a bit better there, which is kind of nice. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, check me out here on Funny Books and Firewater. And if you bump into me in person where I work, just stay six feet away. That's right. That goes for everyone, really. Yeah. Uh, especially at my work. More true now than ever. Oh, yeah, that's true. Don't Stand So Close to Me was actually on my End of the World playlist that I created, which I was very proud of. Uh, and hey, I'm Brian. Um, I am a sound designer based out of Southern California, and I am currently writing my thesis, and I will soon be a graduate in marketing from the University of Denver, hey, which is crazy. I know. So theoretically, I'm supposed to graduate December 4th. I think it was when I would walk, which is not fucking happening. But uh, I'm going to buy uh, a cap and gown for sure. I'm going to go take pictures of it fucking everywhere because, you know, that shit's happening. What are the Denver colors? Aren't they red and white? They are red and white, but the, like I looked it up because I, I looked up what you do. They, when you're getting your master's, I guess the, they call it the hood, which just sounds dirty. Uh, its colors are based on what your degree is in or what like thing it is. So like communication is technically in humanities. Um, so it's like, a, it's like a baby blue. It's not bad. Like it's kind of pretty. So, but I think it'll be like a black cap and gown with like a baby blue fancy pants sort of thing. I'm gonna look like Harry Potter. I'm gonna. I hope that uh, Universal is open by then because I'm totally gonna wear it to Harry Potter land and I'm gonna, you know, get my picture taken in front of Hogwarts graduating. Don't shake your head at me, Lena. You're just mad you didn't think of the same idea. No. Well, first off, just I'm so stealing you your idea. Yes, I am oh, stealing, I know. stealling my idea. <laughs> yes. Oh, we I know. Done, like <laughs> when I graduated from undergrad, because it took me for fucking ever to finish. I went to pick up my cap and gown for my university, and they were like, "We don't have you down as walking." And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I'm like, "I applied for graduation." They're like, yeah, you know, you're you can you can come walk, but your name's not going to be in any of the programs. Mm-hmm. We don't know if they'll have anything for you. My mother was like, "Well, screw." That. That. and Christopher goes well you got the cap and gown right and I was like yeah and he goes okay great and thus became the great cap and gown photo spree of 2013 where yep. we went everywhere we went go-kart racing we went mini golfing yep we went into New York we was so oh we I'm were taking like it to Paris with Connecticut me in New York Oh yeah, my God. <laughs> I'm 100 taking my cap. I'm getting to Paris with me next summer. Like that is happening, and it's going to be. You awesome. can get into Paris. <clears throat> I thought we weren't allowed anymore. Well, well, hopefully, hopefully it will be allowed because we have a friend getting married there. So we're supposed to be going. Are to they Paris. allowed to go to Paris? Well, they, they haven't been in a the bit. The wedding's in June, so we're yeah. really, really, really hoping that yeah. something will be better. That we'll be able to actually 
go to France for the wedding next year. Hey, first did you know of, this is a comic book podcast? I know. For record, uh, we've been recording for about 30 minutes. I am willing to bet <laughs> of what actually makes it into the show, maybe about 5, two 10, 2 minutes, something like that. No, that's fair. And... As we're talking about this, why didn't we read this one first? Because it would have set the to- the bar way too high. I, I think that also, I think we put we did this last because this was the hardest one to get shipped to everyone. This well, is that's the one that's fair. on digital. Yeah, this, this is like the one I got digital. first. Oh, is it? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, see, I got this guy. Yeah, I, I, okay, well, we'll get into it. Before we start with that, Adam, uh, what's oh, our cocktail okay. for this week? Thanks, Todd. Our cocktail this week is called the Copper Offering. And uh, it's actually kind of a sangria. Uh, so you're going to get a like a punch bowl or something like that, or like a, a pitcher. You add a quarter cup of agave, a quarter cup of Grand Marnier, a quarter cup of brandy, uh, one orange half halved and sliced, one lime sliced, one pear sliced, one half a cup of pomegranate seeds, two sticks of cinnamon, a bottle of a dry red wine, and a cup of ginger ale. You're going to mix that together, let it sit for a bit, and then you're going to pour it into an ice-filled copper cup. Nice. I'm so glad you said a bottle of wine because you said quarter cup of agave. And I'm like, oh my God, what is this going to be? <laughs> it's like a winter sangria, but it's in a copper cup. So there's the offering. You're it making, is. You're but the uh, offering to the gods of, of diabetes. Yes, yeah. yes. But that <laughs> bottle of wine helped cut the agave. I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> a quarter cup isn't that much. It's like three tablespoons. Yeah, okay. a little bit more. I mean, right. I, I don't cook. I got nothing. It's Does eight. anybody have drinking game rules or because it's all different segments? Did we forgo those? No, my drinking one? game rule is, as I was reading this is, I like this. Why didn't I read this one first? <laughs> okay, that's fair. And that happened time and time again. So <laughs> that's, that's Todd's drinking game rule. And of, my hey, drinking this game rule. <laughs> this is really good. My drinking game was called Turn the Page, so every time there's a new story, you turn the page. Uh, (laughs) Every time there's a new story, you take a drink. I was going to go with uh, Aminals, because every time there is a a person uh, who turns into an animal or an animalized character who is, you know, made to have human characteristics, I was going to say take a drink. Lena? I was going to say otherworldly. Every time something feels otherworldly in the the book, uh, take a drink. Cool. Which is, and I feel like that hits almost every story. Yeah, it really does. So, well, uh, Todd, since you uh, are the first one to admit your love for this book, uh, you want to start out? Yeah, so this is an anthology. Um, reading at the beginning is basically they did an anthology of Jewish stories, and they were like, hey, this would be an awesome idea for uh, indigenous people stories. And that's what started this all. And um, is that like in the awesome. forward I will... that I didn't read? Is that where? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, right so I was like, like, yeah. I'm assuming that you're correct. I just wanted to know where that came from because I didn't read the. I read the intros to the indigenous. It's from the, for, the indigenous yeah. comics collection. Uh huh. So even then, you know, people talk about language and terms and usage. This is yeah. the indigenous comics collection, and I was going through, and it's a series of stories by different authors and artists and everything going through. And they're vignettes at best. Mm-hmm. Um, but as they go through, they, the vignettes feel like whole stories. Yeah. Or at least satisfying bits. And um, mm-hmm. not to be throwing others under the bus, as I'm about to do, but it <laughs> does the job that the previous failed. Yeah. So if you're listening to this out of order, sorry. This is the one to be reading. <laughs> 
But even as this go, I mean, one of the first stories that Vision Quest Echo, and you've got this, the top half is this picture of this little girl talking about kids and dreaming, and then she starts holding up pictures of dad, mom, and pictures, and mom is just a blank page. Yeah. And you're just like, mm-hmm. shit, this, is, um, this isn't um, staying away from anything. Mm-mm. And then you see one of romance that comes later and stuff breaks apart. And like in such a single page, you're telling so much that gets accomplished right there in the off. And then the art styles change up. They're fun. Some almost seem like a con- it's geometric patterns enough. It's almost like construction paper could have formed some of these. They didn't. Mm-hmm. But it was um, fun. Each story has its own identity. Um, it's going through, it's satisfying, and I'm like, this is great. And what a wonderful book to pick up and set down and just glance through one, and then you go to the next one. Yeah, This one is thoroughly enjoyable, and what a great job. Yeah, and I think speaking so, on the art, um, I think, yes, there's many different artists who do this, but I think universally the level of art in this book is very high. Um, I think that there it's is very some, high. Some yeah. stuff, yeah, reminds me of Dave McKean's work. Yep. Some stuff, almost quite, not quite. You know, it's like South Park with shading. Yeah. And mm-hmm. but it's um very much it's well and stuff. Well, moves I, I think in calling it South Park with shading, I think it, it it describes the style, but doesn't necessarily describe the quality. I think the quality is much higher than than that description no, is. Yeah. It is much much higher. It is moody. It's ethereal. It's um you know some of it's just it's it's all over the board and it's all good yeah absolutely and it works so well together yeah so there there you go there's my thoughts on it uh the other thing that i was just going to mention on top of that for those of you who haven't read it uh the openings of a lot of these are pretty fascinating as well because like it will kind of give you the background and a lot of these things are based off of uh different uh stories from different uh storytellers different communities uh and things like that Mm -hmm. so there's some interesting ideas as to um where they've done with some things and some of them it, you don't understand what the fuck is going on without knowing that this is based on a, on a story. Uh, speak, right. Specifically, I'm thinking of the, the, the space spam story um, <laughs> about these, uh, these uh, people who land back on uh, a planet of their birth or at least of their origin. And they eat a can of one of them eats a can of spam and turns into a giant humanoid snake. Um, which if you read the actual description of what the story is about, it's basically a warning to heed warnings and someone doesn't heed warning and turns into a giant snake. That's basically what they they do it as a sci-fi story. So like without knowing that you're like, this is really fucking bizarre. It doesn't necessarily make sense. But um, yeah, I think just in general for me, I was just very pleased with the level of art in general. Like I kept being wowed by a lot of the different pieces that were in here. Um, And then the storytelling is really great. But I think for me, the art's what really shown um, through the, the strongest. Uh, but yeah, Lena, what are your thoughts? I totally agree with both of you. The, the art is really what got me. Um, even in the first story, I loved the page that was, um, all of the Indian sign language Mm -hmm. they had. Um, and I say that being that that's what it actually says in the top (laughs) corner. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, only because I've been trying to learn ASL uh, mm-hmm. since the pandemic has started. And um, being that I used to work for a company that tried to make deaf people hear, I figured I could possibly learn their language. And um, mm-hmm. so that caught my eye. But I loved the differences between each story and how they didn't. It obviously felt like it. Um, you got this, an, you know, this real anthology feel, but 
nothing stood out that was like, oh, this wasn't as good as the other ones. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. Uh, that I was upset with, um, with how the story was told or not understanding what was happening. Like, I understand what you're saying, Brian, about how like the, that whole piece where he eats the spam or whatever mm-hmm. and he turns into a, to like yeah. a rattlesnake. Yeah. Um, he, but at the end, it did, it did make sense to me, but it did feel like each little vignette was a complete story. It mm-hmm. wasn't like you were, le- you were getting to the end of it and then going, oh, that was, oh, that was it. Okay, now I'm yeah. on to the next one. And it, so it did feel like there was completion and the art for i have no idea how to say this and i feel terrible quality Qual- oh yeah i know the one you talk about um, um yeah. where it's like novel kind of set up and with the the art in between the paragraphs mm-hmm. and the art on the for this was just so not what i was expecting to see in this book but i really 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 liked it so i'm glad that we're ending on this one yeah, <laughs> we're ending on a high note this month because the last few, I'll admit, were were a little tough to to get behind. So. Yeah, no. What it seemed the last few, the saving graces were the art, and the art in here is wow, this is outstanding. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But the story, but the difference is with this is that the art is outstanding, but the storytelling is still is good, well done. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're not missing anything like we were with the last few. Well, and I think the other thing that. Um, helps on this in particular is the fact that they're taking traditional stories and to a certain extent updating them or changing the style and so it kind of gives you as someone who wasn't necessarily raised in that culture an idea of this why the stories were important and what the lessons were to learn in those stories and how it kind of boils those lessons down into like you know quick little 10 page or five page story or whatever i kind of like the fact there's like oh okay i can see the the logic in why these stories were passed down and what the intention behind them was and what the lessons were to be learned with these things. Um, So I kind of like that aspect of it as well. Just trying to also like just kind of keeping that tradition alive of keeping the stories being told in a somewhat like it's not written down in a very sort of boring uh, manner where it's just documented, but like it's sort of the essence of it is updated and and kept alive in the storytelling and the, the style of the storyteller kind of infuses into that. And I think that's part of what really makes us work really well as well. Mr. Adam, what are your thoughts? So what's really funny is Elena, uh, she, brought up the one story that I was going to the, the Qualipelic again, I know I'm saying it wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh And what was really interesting was it brought to mind two things. It brought to mind um, Secret Path, which we read earlier yep. this month, where it was uh, dialogue and then you had pictures that went along with it. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the artwork really reminded me of Witches from last month, where mm-hmm. Todd brought up the one, you know, the one scene where it was like you felt like the character mm-hmm. was like seen through you through the page. And there's a couple of those in that story that were just like gave me goosebumps, especially the one where there's the dead eye girl like looking straight through the page. I was like, ah. Turn the page. Don't want to see that. But no, I, I really like the fact that, as we've already stated, was that, yes, these are vignettes. They're one-off stories, but they managed to tell an entire story in that 10 to 15 pages, you know, however much it was. And yes, you do get the introduction saying, hey, this is what this is about. These are actually like stories that are passed down. Let's tell them in a really cool way. So I think my favorite story overall was uh, Strike and Bolt. It was about Mankind had gone to futuristic planets because whatever reason from Earth and the kids have superpowers and they go to rescue their mom who's been kidnapped by cannibals and wackiness ensues. But it really, really felt like it was, you know, something you could see in a Marvel comic 
which isn't to say that everything has to be exactly like Marvel or DC or anything else, but oh, it was fun. It was cool. And you still got to tie in these, these stories that are part of these people's heritage that have been passed down in, into a modern light. So, you know, if, let's say you've got teenage kids who really aren't into anything but comics or, you know, this, you know, Oh, screw the old stuff. It's going to get them interested in these stories that are, are, have now become modernized. And the funny thing was, you mentioned uh, Vision Quest Echo, the the very first one. From my understanding, reading the excerpt was that actually was in Daredevil. It was an excerpt from that's, the uh, Daredevil. Yeah, Vision I, Quest. I, I, well, which is interesting because there's the references to Fisk in it a couple times because um, they, mm-hmm. they talk about the, the dad's boss and the Fisk, and I was like, and like, and I, oh, to be honest with you, I read that one without reading the. the the preface and then i started reading the prefaces afterwards so i'm glad you mentioned that because that was one of my questions because i kept expecting spider-man to show up or daredevil to show up because of wilson fisk in there so now i'm glad to know that i wasn't entirely crazy because i was like oh this feels like a tie-in the art also reminded me a little bit of jessica jones but i don't know if it's just yeah the, no uh, i got that too um but uh, yeah which i don't know but like yeah in general like i feel like this was a really strong book to go out on and i'm kind of bummed that we didn't we didn't find this first, but also I think it would have made everything else seem worse. Maybe and, and see know. that's kind of where I am. Like I, you know, we, right. we did have two books that were strong. You know, we gave them really high ratings, yeah. even if they were short. But I think that had we started with this one, be like, oh, this is so fucking cool. Yeah, the ones that were kind of just like, really, that's it. I, I think that would have been more of a letdown. And so this was kind of a great thing. Like, and again, depending mm-hmm. when this comes out, but no, I, I liked it a lot. I think it's a great series. This one, I definitely want to go back and read again because I know I miss things. Like, yeah. I miss some of the things you right. brought up that, you know, like, Oh crap. I, I didn't know Fisk in that first story. Yeah. I was too focused on what was going on. And like the, the little, like, I didn't notice that the picture of mom was empty. Yeah. And I was just like, this is so fucking cool. Like I can't yeah. wait to read this kind of thing. So no, I, I think this is, if all the books could have been like this, I would have been much happier this month. Uh, but no, I mean, <laughs> go out with a bang, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, the, the the Fisk thing, like she mentions, I'm um, just to, to go back, but like she mentioned that her dad carries yeah. a gun to work and then she shows her dad's boss a couple times and it says Mr. Fisk. And I was like, that's not a common enough I name for that not to be specifically referenced to that. So, but yeah, I... I definitely very much enjoyed that. Um, I will say that like after the other books we read, I'm like, maybe we won't do indigenous people next year. This story made me, or this book made me go, Oh, maybe we can do another year. I don't know if there are enough comics up. Anyway, uh, do we, uh, anybody else have anything else they want to add? No, I mean, (laughs) it was really good. I mean, how this differs from others is this was an anthology and started out as so. So it, um, the others seemed to be the first part of a greater story they wanted to tell, but didn't. Well, the whole point of this is lots of little stories told in completion. Um, sometimes anthologies can also be really hit or miss. Yeah. Um, yes. I've, I've read some truly awful anthologies. Yeah. Or flipped through and stopped reading some truly awful anthologies. And this this is really um, up there with how they come. Even the um, the cover for the Moonshot, Lisa the Hardbound oh, book, yes. it is fantastic. It's like, dude, I'd hang this in my home. Yeah. This thing is great. Yeah, so I guess saying about it is, I mean, this is one of the people's like, oh, you're into comics. Isn't that just about dweeby boys reading about, you know, superheroes? And I'm like, it's, yes, and. Yes. <laughs> yes, and. And it can be more, so much more than that. And this could become one of those as you want to see how it can be more than that. Mm-hmm. And this becomes on my short shelf of it can be more than that. Here's an example. So this is what I'm going to propose, because I know that we're all going to give this a high grade, because we all like it. So um, yeah. why don't we do this instead? Why don't everybody pick out what their 
favorite story, or at least say what their favorite story out of the book was. Um, I will give mm-hmm. you guys a second to look at it, and I will start with mine, uh, since I just threw this at you. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, my favorite was called Coyote and the Pebbles, which is written by Dayton Edmonds and illustrated by Micah Baratour, I think, um, which is basically mm-hmm. the this, this story about how um, the coyote was trying to use uh, these pebbles to paint a portrait of uh, his friends and spills the pebbles and they basically become the night sky um, and his friends sort of don't let him kind of live down his sort of failure or mistake. But the thing I liked about this book was it was sort of the, the general meaning behind the story was is to you know embrace your failures and, and not be hung up on them, but also that his devotion to his friends made him as a wolf made him sad that he couldn't necessarily paint them better, which is why the the wolf howls at the moon at night is sort of his regret of not being able to, I don't know, do better by his friends, which is, I don't know. It, it was like, it was an interesting story. I liked, I just liked the way that it was told in general. I liked the, the visuals of it. Um, so that was the one that stood out to me as, as probably one of my favorites. There's a lot of others that I really loved, but that was the one that stuck with me the most. Uh, Lena, what is your thought? Um, I would have to go with Vision Quest Echo only because God, you can I, share the same one. Don't shake your fist. I, I um I really loved all the different pieces, the art, the every page really gave. There was so much emotion and so much that kind of fed into the the story. So I um I really like that one. Yeah, it's a beautiful book, Mr. Adam. Um, so the one I actually really liked, I was going through it. Uh, I'm going to murder the name was Ian Nisak. Uh, it's a story in the future where uh, you've got this grandmother telling her, her grandson, I'm assuming the story on the campfire about how kind of the world ended where everyone was born on the back of this, uh, this great turtle. Mm-hmm. And then we invented technology and people kind of went to sleep. These monsters took over the Native people woke up. They had a war tr- lodge. They chased the monsters, the robots away who left earth. And so now it's in the future. It's kind of, you know, post-apocalyptic, but not. And then the very end of the, of the thing is uh, the grandson's talking to her and saying, like, hey, give me more information about your life, and finds out that she had passed away, goes back to civilization and tells them what happened. And they're like, well, you know, tell us the story of what happened. And it was just cool because, again, it was futuristic. It was a modern take on a tale but it was a literal passing down of stories to mm-hmm. a new generation that could then pass them down to the next generation. And I thought that was really kind of summed up what a lot of these things are about was as far as these are the stories of our past. Let's show them in a new light. And this is literally about the fact of how you do that yeah. to a new generation in a new world. So I, I, there was a bunch I liked, but that was kind of the one that as I was flipping through it just now, I was like, oh yeah, this one. <laughs> No, that's, yeah, I like that one. Todd, have you found another one? Or are you going to share your same one with Lena and be angry about it? Well, I'm going to share it with Lena because that one really, I mean, that grabbed me at the, that first page grabbed yeah. me so much. And you're like, oh, well, you have my attention. Well, also the fact and, that the little girl looks like your little girl. So a little bit though, but you said it's like dad and then mom is just that blank spot of where yeah. mom should be and she's not there. And I'm just like, oh. Yeah, and how she goes. She's a storyteller, and the way it's said, it's kind of put together as a scrapbooking journal collage thing, as it's just flowing through, and you feel like you can. So uh, she gets across her perspective mm-hmm. in such a beautiful way. 
Yeah. A lot of people will write a story. They'll tell a story. I feel like I was being shown her perspective of storytelling and getting like behind. It's like, it's just, it's just dripping with the understanding as it's coming through. It's like, I know this person now. I find it fascinating. It's actually written by a guy named David Mack, which I thought was really interesting. Um, Right. Written illustration. Yeah. It's wonderfully done. Yeah, well, and one of the things I kind of want to highlight, though, that I also think is impressive is the fact that, like, each one of those pages is its own piece of art on its own, like, could be a modern art piece, yet it still flows Uh well enough that it's readable, which is ridiculously difficult to do and very impressive. Right. You know? I mean, it's got letter boxes that are upside down, so you're like, oh, I'm learning how to, I'm reading this upside down, it's talking about, and this is how I learned to read lips, and I'm like, oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Good but the fact you. that it guides yeah. you and shows you, like, it really is an experience. Uh-huh. Like, like, I think one of, that's one of those things where, like, as we noticed in some of the book, other books we read that were interesting but not necessarily as refined, that there is more of an art to being able to tell the story in a like in an accurate way visually. Uh, that I think, mm-hmm. that, like, it just makes that um, feat all the more impressive once you sort of put it into context with some of those other things. Um, yes, it's yeah. masterfully done. You can tell the artist and the art writer being the same person really yeah. worked well. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, anybody have anything else they would like to bring up? Uh, you should read this. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yes, okay. yeah, read it. Well, cool. Uh, so that's going to do it for this one, uh, and this will be our uh, a month of Indigenous people is done. We're heading into December, and we are doing winter books. Uh, so we're going to be doing for the next month. We're going to be doing Snowpiercer, uh, Escape, Polar, Whiteout, and The Coldest City. Uh, so those will be the four that we have coming up, uh, and then we got to figure out uh, January. Here's five. Are there five? Four or five? I don't think so. I think you did four. I think there's four. I think it was five in this month, but four in the next one. That's right. Yeah. I swear you mentioned another one, but I'll be crazy. You are crazy. Shut up, Todd. You're drunk. Yeah, you are. Okay. Well, I think that will do it for us. Thanks, everybody, and we will talk to you all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.